This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmer and we're here today to discuss another 2-1 win for the Reds at the weekend. It's becoming a bit like deja vu now. And to join me is Paul Gorst and Theo Squires. How are we, lads? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, uh, feeling good. Liverpool are eight points clear still. Uh, can't complain. Just keep doing it, don't they? Mm. Yeah. We just play last week's podcast then, guys. I know, we, we, we may as well. It, it just seems... Change, just changed Leicester and Tottenham for Crystal Palace and, and yeah. we're done. It seems like every week we're, we're talking about... Liverpool perhaps not playing that well, conceding a goal, getting away with it towards the end with a with a late winner, and and it is just sort of copy and paste, Gosty. But you were there at the weekend. First of all, what did you make of it? Were Liverpool not that good? And is it a slight worry if they're, they're not that good again? Yeah, they, they, they didn't play well at all, and I think I think if you look across the season now, there's not they haven't actually played well that many times. I think played well against Tottenham, played well against. Manchester City in the first half, played well against Chelsea in the first half, and then the rest of the season you're looking around and you're thinking they're only they went bad against Leicester, from what I can remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean Leicester are a good side, so I suppose you could say they played well against Leicester as well. But um, they're nowhere near where we know that this Liverpool team can get. So to find themselves eight points clear with twelve wins from thirteen is a bit frightening for the rivals. Maybe um, just shows you how how much more Liverpool have got left in the tank and. What they can go on and achieve because um, they weren't they weren't great at Crystal Palace on on Saturday. Um, I've seen a few people suggest that, that was the best the Palace have played, which um, you, you you could argue that that's a fair point that the, the opposition did play well, but um, somehow Liverpool have still managed to come away with a win. Um, I'd say that the VAR check was was correct. I think it was a push on Day and Lovren, so that was correctly ruled out. Um, but once I had equalised in the eighty second minute, it, it was just another another big question thrown in Liverpool's way. And, and as you say, copy and paste. We have been saying that all season. I feel like I'm writing the same thing in, in my verdicts every week <laughs> to show the, the character, the mental strength, all that kind of stuff. It's just there every time. So it, it just just drags Liverpool through. But when they're not, when the quality isn't there, the mental strength. Um, and character will always be there so that is what's getting them through at the moment and it's why they're eight points clear because they've only really shown it in spirits of, of their quality but um, that I suppose is um, is a great position to be in Yeah, rather than being worried about perhaps not that great performances is Gorsley right? Is it just a case of this is the way they win games now they're not the, the, the side that perhaps we got used to from a couple of years ago that was blowing teams away that looked brilliant on their day they are this is them, this is Liverpool, the, this side that can go and win anywhere and perhaps not look good doing it? Uh, yes and no. A couple of years ago, Liverpool weren't good enough to be going for the title, so they needed to be a team that, on their day, put in these amazing performances. But I think last couple of years, it's about resting your legs, timing that run yeah. and when you're at your best. So Liverpool saved their best performances last year for when they needed them during the second half of the season. I think, remember the first half of the season, that's changed formation because they weren't brilliant. So, so, sorry to interrupt you. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Do you really believe that's possible? Do you really believe that a team can save their best performances? Or do they not go out every game to perform as well as possible? Well, and manager and players do it? say it, don't they? They say it every week that it's not one game, it's about where you finish at the end of the season. So it's about when do you want to be at your best? Um, it was even the same under Rafa. So, you know, when 2000, 2009, they're a bit more defensive, then it got to what, March time. And he's like, right, go out and attack. 
because we need to get the points here, we need to get the goals here. And that's when they thrash Real Madrid, they thrash Manchester United. Mm. I think the top teams do have it in their locker. Like they know that it is a marathon, not a sprint. They know that it, they'd rather win, like if you'd win two, three games in a row, two, one, it's better than winning four nil one week, drawing the next, maybe losing. You'd rather pick up the points and be that consistency. And then when you need to get that extra bit of energy from your legs, save it for those moments. Like Manchester City, they look a bit of a mess at the moment, don't they? Let's be honest. But Liverpool are still grinding out results. And it's quite good that they've still got this extra gear that I'm pretty sure they can reach. We have seen it so many times before. Barcelona is probably the best example. Okay, let's quickly talk. I don't want to dwell on it, but the VAR decision, I mean... To me, there isn't a great deal to talk about because it was absolutely spot on. Yeah. Two hands in the back. Lovren was sort of within the flight of the ball, so we don't know for sure, but he could have got his head to that or he could have got a touch to it that perhaps takes it over Tompkins. So it looked to me, Gorsi, like, do you know what? That's exactly what VAR should be here for. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can you can argue till you're blue in the face about all these offside decisions, whether it's your armpits offside or Sterling's offside with his shoulder, wasn't he, the other day? But... For incidents like that, it, it, that's where it works perfectly. Um, Jordan Ayew pushed Lovren in the back and he was sort of in the direction of the cross. So we might have got near it. I must admit, we didn't see it at first when it was um, when it went in. We just thought that that's a goal, Palace are on the loop. And then it's getting checked and you're wondering, I think I tweeted out, I'm not exactly sure what this is for, but we get little monitors in the, in the press box and, and we've seen the replay and, and you can tell straight away yeah. it, was, it was a foul. Um, no... You don't, don't really have to dwell on it because it was the right decision, I think. Yeah, Sam? Yeah, and just yeah. that, like even watching the stream back here, it was the same as Gorsi there. You couldn't see it at first. You think that's not offside, what's going on here? But then you see the push. That is exactly why VAR has been brought in. I think considering all the criticism it's had in recent yeah. weeks, you might as well just sit back and applaud it for one that it's got right. Yeah, do you, th- do you think there hasn't been enough of that after the game? Because even Roy Hodgson said it was the right call. Do you know, did, did we, we watch every week on Match of the Day and on other programmes, pundits sit there and, and slaughter it but we never really uh, watched match of the day and I don't recall anyone really going do you know what good decision this is what VAR is there for it's not the narrative at the moment no. is it it's easy to criticise it I think there was a um, controversial offside was it the City-Chelsea game yeah. Raheem yeah. Sterling's yeah. goal that was similar to Firmino's a couple of weeks back those are the decisions that people are focusing on rather than oh it's got this one right yeah definitely well it, it is of course the, another thing to, to throw at Liverpool that they're lucky and, 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 and this that and the other but but Hodgson <laughs> said himself it was, it was the right call. But is it annoying that there's these little things that people can throw at Liverpool? No, not really, because I, I think you, you you have to kind of listen to, to who's saying what. And you see it all over social media, don't you? Twitter in particular, Liverpool with the VAR yeah. capped up. And uh, that was actually trending on, on Twitter after the game. But I think it's just uh, a lot of it is sour grapes. Um, from Manchester City supporters, possibly you still feel aggrieved about the Trent Alexander-Arnold handball, uh, Bernardo Silva handball, the seconds earlier than we've talked about that time and time again. I think it is just a case of Liverpool are there at the top to be shot at at the moment, uh, and it'd be the same if it was City or Manchester United or, or whoever, just to, you know, for years, how many times did people suggest United were lucky with their late goals under Alex Ferguson. It's just the these top teams find ways to win, don't they? And um, that particular decision was was the correct one. And, and Liverpool, have, as soon as as soon as Palace equalised in the eighty second minute, you could see from the kickoff Liverpool were chasing and, and Harry and when they won the corner, Trent Alexander Arnold chases over to take the corner as quick as he can because they know that while this game is still on, there's still a chance for them to score, and they never ever seem to accept that okay. 
it's not going to be our day today. They just play right until the very end, and it's the reason why the they've scored. Well, they've, the reason why they've got that many points um, from the last ten minutes because they they just keep going. Yeah, well, I, honestly, lads, I I don't care if Klopp comes on in the, the last day of the season and lashes the ball in the net himself, and they, <laughs> and they say, yeah, that's five VAR watches it for half an hour, and they go, yeah, it's it's cool, and and Liverpool win the title by a point. I, I really don't care. It would be great. It, it would make it. It would actually make a title sweeter if everyone cried about it for the rest of time. It would be um, really. Yeah, I think so. I think it. It, it is lovely to, to sit after the game and watch all these opposition fans go, oh, it's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll have a bit of that. Anyway, well, uh, you, you mentioned late goals. Uh, great column by uh, Andrew Beasley uh, at base tune to red, uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter uh, today. And looking at different stats, and, and one of the stats from his column, which immediately caught me by surprise, was that Liverpool haven't scored the most late goals in the league. Actually, um, after 76 minutes, um, Leicester, Man City and Wolves have all scored more late goals it's just that Liverpool's six uh, goals have all been winners so I mean that, that's massive but perhaps again Liverpool aren't getting enough credit for their general play throughout the game they are, that, they, that they should be yeah, perhaps, but then all teams get late goals, doesn't it? Because you've yeah. got the stoppage time that you're expecting to see a few more as teams are pushing forward, going on the attack. And it's just Liverpool grinding things out again. Uh, the way they've been playing, like we were mentioning earlier, the fact that they do go until the very last minute. I think Gorsty said when we were talking about this earlier, how many of Leicester's late goals are in the Southampton game? <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> and then like Man City, you expect it from them as well. The top teams do always find a way. And Wolves is the one that surprises me because I think they've drawn so many games yeah. this season. It's like, well, have they been getting late equalisers then or consolations? I just don't know where that starts to come from, from them, but fair play to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're moving on to the Champions League now. and It's funny, it's, it's this Napoli game, Paul, because it almost feels like people are overlooking it a little bit, but it's a hugely crucial game for Liverpool, isn't it? It is. They win and they're through and, and it just makes that uh, December run a little bit easier, doesn't it? But you can go to Salzburg and possibly rest one or two and, and when they're not in desperate need of a win, particularly at a stadium that uh, the home home form is very good, um, apparently, uh, Red Bull Salzburg. So, yeah, I mean, th- th- this this game of Wednesday is, is a big one. Napoli, uh, you know, they're the only team who've beaten Liverpool this season, beat them obviously last season and almost forged a draw the near Anfield, but for that incredible save from, yeah. from Alison Beckham, Liverpool would have actually have, have gone out of the Champions League that night if, if that had gone in. Um, they've, they've got an elite manager in Carlo Ancelotti. They've got loads of great players. So this is going to be a very, very tough match. But the fact that they can secure qualification again to the last 16 should be all the motivation they need for them to basically approach it properly because it, it just makes that December run so much easier as well, doesn't it? When you've got the... They're going to Qatar pretty much a few days later. Obviously, Aston Villa's in there. They've got the, the derby a couple of days before. Um, so a win on Wednesday is huge. It'd be interesting to see the two, the approach of the two teams because you would expect Napoli to play for a draw almost. Mm. But do you do you think Klopp will let just go for it? Perhaps bring Cater in. Perhaps just try and get the job done there, there and then. I do, but I still think he'll, he'll temper that with his, his traditional midfield. So we say, I think Fabinho will, will play Gino Wijnaldum and Jordan Henderson. He just, he do you just, think so? Yeah, you think you'll go yeah, for that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think we'll definitely he, go for Bino only with the suspension at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I just think he, he favours that midfield now, doesn't he, for, for those big games? They obviously started against City at Anfield earlier this month, um, and I, th- I think he'll stick with it again because um, 
I'm not sure how much he trusts Cater actually. I think in the huge games, I think he's always likely to leave him on the bench. So I don't think he'll be he'll be starting on Wednesday. And I don't think Oxley Chamberlain will get a shout either. What about Milner? First reserve, isn't he? Seems to be. Um, I, I think he, he could come on if something needs a little bit shorten up here or there. But I think it will be Wijnaldum and uh, Henderson and Fabinho. You know, if there's any chance that he might make changes in defence, Theo, Joe Gomez, Dejan Lovren has played a lot of football recently. Andy Robertson did did say he played through the pain barrier uh, at the weekend. Uh, Robertson's the one who might miss out just because he is saying he's playing in pain. But then I think Andy Robertson's probably one of the first players, along with Virgil van Dijk. You think it doesn't matter what injury he's got, he will play through yeah. it if he can. Um, and then at the same time, it is such a crucial game. You don't want to make too many changes. You want to get the job done. You want that stability there. And it'll be interesting to see how Napoli approach it because I think you were saying they're quite out of form at the moment, aren't they? They've drawn a lot of games recently. They, they, in the la- they haven't won any of their last seven, but they've drawn six of those. So uh, I think they drew with AC Milan at the weekend, but they drew with Salzburg in the last Champions League game. And, and they're, they're massively out of form. There was a report the other week that... Um, the owner wanted to sack the whole squad because they refused to, to do extra training at a training camp. And um, yeah, it, it, things just don't seem to be very good for Napoli. But but they are, I mean, we Liverpool seems to have played them a lot in the last sort of five, six <laughs> yeah. years, but they are a side that always cause problems for Liverpool. And, and I don't, they're not exactly pretty games, are they, when Liverpool face Napoli? Horace Nervy, the fact that it was, what, a 1-0 to qualify yeah. last year, you don't usually expect that for Liverpool when it's a game they need to win. Yeah. You expect a bit more drama, a bit more yeah. romance to it. But then you look at all the teams that Liverpool, we say, have broken recently, mm. like Tottenham, Barcelona and that. Could Napoli maybe have some mental scars as well, like coming to Anfield, that when they were so close to qualifying to the knockout stages and that to settle for Europa League football because of that one Alisson save. Yeah. Um, if they're out of form, it's either going to be a game that's going to get the best out of them they want to get revenge. Well, they could just crumble again. And if Ancelotti is under pressure, players are under pressure, maybe it's just them, they're not going to really be up for it. Yeah, their best result this season is beating Liverpool. Is beating Liverpool. <laughs> so it, it is a strange one. Carlo Ancelotti, Paul, uh, was in the frame um, before Klopp took over. He was one of mm. two managers that, that Liverpool were considering at the time. He's got great pedigree. I really like Carlo Ancelotti. I just think he's, yeah. I think he's cool as well. I think seems to be very respectful just a proper proper football manners, yeah, as some people yeah. would say. But yeah, what, what are your thoughts on him? And could you have imagined a, a different Liverpool with Ancelotti in charge? I don't know. I don't know what Liverpool would look like if he'd no. have taken charge in October 2015. But he's a, he's a world class manager, no doubt about it. Napoli have, have got one there. Um, he's been around pretty much every every other top club, seemingly hasn't he? Yeah. Um, obviously, he hasn't man- managed Manchester United, but he's been at Chelsea. Um, Bayern Munich, obviously Napoli now is probably a, a level below his usual rung, but um, the second team in Italy. Yeah, yeah. But, cool. um, Half expecting a phone to go now saying Solskjaer's been sacked and United have appointed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously he was manager of AC Milan, wasn't he, uh, in two thousand and five? And still at Juventus as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. been around pretty much since since I've been watching football. He used to watch yeah. um, and Gazetta. Yeah, football, yeah. football Italian on Channel Four, yeah, yeah. and he was he was always around then. Um, I think he was at events at the time. Just a, an elite manager, and it's um, I think Jurgen Klopp will be looking forward to coming up against them. Actually, um, obviously, a manager he knows quite well. Uh, Liverpool, even if you count the friendlies, Liverpool seems to have played Napoli about four four or five times yeah, the last yeah. the last two years. So they're a club that Liverpool know well as well. They've got plenty of great players. Koulibaly at the back is for me one of Europe's best. 
Reese Mertens up top is, is is great as well. So it'll be a tough game for Liverpool, no no doubt. But um, the fact that it's at Anfield um, lends itself to a, a big Liverpool performance and hopefully a win that gets them through to the, the last 16. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I must admit, Theo, I remember when Ancelotti was linked, I remember in the, in the sort of hours following Rodgers sacking that it was emerged that him and him and Klopp were the two contenders and I think they were always Liverpool were always headed for Klopp but if Klopp didn't sign on the dotted line they would have gone for Ancelotti but as much as I like him and as much as I respect him and I've liked some of his the way some of his teams have played I don't think I ever really saw him as a Liverpool manager did you? I did at the time, but then I think the feeling at the time was maybe Klopp wouldn't take it because he wanted his full sabbatical. Yeah. But it's easy to say in hindsight, he doesn't look like a fit for Liverpool now. Like no. Liverpool was a project, they needed that younger manager, Definitely. progressive football with the younger players. And Ancelotti, he's an old manager, he's an old head, he's been around for a while. And there's a reason why 10, 15 years ago, he was in charge of the best team yeah. on the planet. That AC Milan team had, what, 11 world-class yeah, players. Yeah. Liverpool, like, it's crazy to think they beat them in that Champions League final when you look at that 11. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the fact that he's now dropped to the second rung, I suppose you can have maybe similarities to Mourinho there, that he's not at his star position yeah. at the moment. Um, but then it's one of those where he's just delivered so much and he's had his pick of the clubs wherever he's gone, as these elite managers do. Like, I think he's also had PSG. That's one we've probably missed yeah. off. Um, and it's, well, you'd expect him to come to a Liverpool when, say, Klopp leaves, like, you know, that star name you want when you're already at the top, not a team in transition because he hadn't done it that transit, um, that spell going from taking the team to the top, but Liverpool definitely got the decision right. I don't think anyone's going to no, ever no, have any course, regrets yeah, over Klopp taking over. He could even somehow collapse here with the title, not win it, and you still say that was a great appointment. He's transformed the club. And oh, Ancelotti and, and Mourinho now, since Mourinho's taken over at Tottenham, the only two managers to have managed six of Europe's top twenty clubs, apparently. There you go. Um, so you know, Ancelotti's been at Napoli for a couple of years, so he's obviously someone who. He's been around for a while at the elite level. Um, so, yeah, he's a top-class manager. Definitely. Uh, just to go back to Cater, um, Theo, we, we seem to spend hours and hours and hours discussing Cater on these podcasts, but he's always an intriguing character and um, he's somebody that, even if perhaps his performances don't back it up, you you always look at him and think oh, he could give some, something different to Liverpool's midfield. Um, do you think this is the sort of game that, of course, he doesn't think Klopp would go with him, but do you think this is the sort of game that could perhaps mo- motivate him? And if he puts on a performance in a game like this, helps Liverpool progress against Napoli, you, you then look at him over the Christmas period and thinking he could have a huge impact on Liverpool's midfield? Potentially, because he is the sort, he seems better suited to the European games. Yeah. It's um just seems to suit his style more, and he's had some good moments in Europe in the past. I think Porto games one that springs yeah. to mind. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's odd that he wasn't given a chance at the weekend because he's had the international break he's went away and he scored he's been shortlisted for African player of the year so oh the confidence is coming back he's not been injured for a few weeks and then he was a new substitute yeah. so it's like well you need to give him an opportunity at some point because you are going to need this whole squad over Christmas but Klopp's going to have to pick and choose his moments so we'll see how he approaches that um, if you're not throwing him in for this one it's like well you're going to have to hope you get through and then you can go back to Salzburg. That's yeah. going to be one he wants to start, isn't it? It's yeah. like former club. Uh, he does need to deliver some big moments because it's one of those positions where if we're still saying at the end of the season, we're right about Naby Keita, when is the real Naby Keita going to turn up? When Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's come back, he's scoring the goals, he's doing the business, he's fallen further down the pecking order, hasn't he? And then you've got like, well, Marco Grouch is coming back. Is he now a contender in this squad? 
Liverpool are being linked with Sanderberg. Well, if they sign him, that's another midfielder. Do you think, well, maybe they just give up on Naby Keita? It's a hard call for him to make. We don't want to go that far yet. So no. your face so the title of this then. podcast is going to be Theo Squire <laughs> says Liverpool should give up on Naby Keita. But you should probably give up on your career if you, um, <laughs> if you, if you want to give that shot. Yeah. But no, I reckon he, he needs to deliver some big moments in December, January. It's the perfect opportunity for him to. It's just when will Klopp give him that opportunity? Definitely. Okay, one one more thing on Napoli, Paul. You wrote the story last year. I don't think you really recall it because I, I did mention it to you before, but a little bit of needle ahead of the game last year was um, Napoli's own, owner decided to just throw a, a nasty little jibe at, 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 in the direction of, of not just Liverpool, but Merseyside. Mm. Um, and was basically talking about, I think he was talking about players perhaps moving to Liverpool and said, can you imagine waking up on Merseyside? Um, it was a, a strange jibe and he was way off, but... I mean, what was that all about? And, and can you give us a bit of a reminder? Can you remember? Right, you wrote the story. I, yeah, I, um, I don't really recall it, but I know uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis. I can never actually pronounce this. Aurelio De Laurentiis, is it? The Napoli uh, president. Yes, Napoli that's president. him. Yeah. Um, I know he's, he's one of the more colourful ones across Europe, Yeah. Um, of which there are a few. You think of, of, of Leon, he, he always seems yeah. to be in the headlines as well. I can't actually remember what he said, but I think... Where stuff stuff like that, I think think that works for Liverpool fans. I think they use yeah. that to their advantage quite well, and seem to take an affront to comments such as that. And it all just helps um, create that atmosphere. Which Jurgen Klopp, to be fair to him, he's always demanding. He's always asking the fans to create that kind of European atmosphere, and, and he'd want it for a twelve o'clock kick off in a friendly. I think if if he had his way, which isn't always realistic, but. On Wednesday night, it will be uh, an eight o'clock kickoff, um, big game in the Champions League at Anfield. So we're expecting um, hell of an atmosphere. And I don't exactly recall what, what uh, Aurelio said last year, but um, I think that, that probably did help Liverpool on the night as well. Yeah, fans definitely love it. Like um, yeah. the FIFA Club World Cup stuff at the weekend for Mango have gone through. George Jesus has come out and said, um, "Down played Liverpool's Champions League win." Just see the comments in response to that going, <laughs> "Oh, another one's done it. What yeah. have they done here?" Give us the motivation know, we need. Remember when um, Real Madrid's president said that, didn't he say that, I, I can't use this word because we'll be kicked out of the, <laughs> the Middle East as, as usual, but he said that Liverpool was SHT on a stick. And he said that the, the team played like that. And you see, if you, um, they, whatever could happen at Anfield, the fans would cheer them on because they don't really appreciate the football. Do you remember that? And Liverpool absolutely annihilated them 4-0. I remember the, front, the, uh, the front page of marker. This yeah, is Anfield, that so what? Uh, this is Anfield, so yeah, what? That's the one I remember. One. Yeah, yeah. And Liverpool won 4-0. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so what? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all for mad owners coming in and having a little go. Um, so if, if you're listening, Aurelio de Laurentiis, I think I think it's that, which yeah. I don't think is that difficult to pronounce, Gorsty. Um, if you are listening, then... Cho says that as he nails it completely. Yeah. He struggled a couple of minutes yeah, before. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he was off camera just shouting at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll move on anyway. Gorsty, a little bit of transfer news this morning from yourself. Um, Liverpool have some, some fairly surprising plans to loan a couple of youngsters uh, in January. Um, Queevin Kelleher. That's him, yeah. Oh, he's done well there, yeah. Done well that one first time. I had to take a deep breath first. But um, but yeah, we'll, we'll start with him because the other one is, is, well, we just may as well say it. it? Rianne Brewster is, is a lot more surprising. Mm. But Queevin Kelleher, uh, young goalkeeper, started in the uh, Carabao Cup so far, but you understand um, Preston interested in taking him on loan? Preston North End, yeah. And it's, uh, it's funny, actually, because when, uh, when we was writing up the story, we looked at Preston's squad, didn't we? And 
they've got about six goalkeepers, so I, I don't know why, why they, they feel the need for another one. But they have made an inquiry for, for Cueve and Callagher, and Liverpool are actually open to listening to loan offers yeah. in the January transfer window. Um, he's obviously behind Adrian and, and Alison Becker in the pecking order. Liverpool feel that um, as an Irish under-21 international, he can go somewhere maybe in the Championship and get uh, get some games under his belt, some first-team experience and exposure and come back a better goalkeeper. Um, so Liverpool are happy to, to listen to, to offers for him in January, but it will centre around game time, I'm, I'm led to believe. So they're not going to be letting him go to go and sit on the bench for someone else. Liverpool would probably prefer to keep him if that was the case. So, yeah, um, we'll see where, where he might end up in January. And Rian Brewster is pretty much a, a similar tale. He's He started the, the two... Carabao Cup games, hasn't he? MK Dons and, and Arsenal scored in the shootout against Arsenal and hasn't yet made the Premier League debut. He's been on the bench three times, um, but still yet to, to play a minute of football. And Liverpool are, are happy to field offers for him as well in, in January. And I think that might be a fairly smart move because you, you're not really sure how much he's going to play between now and the end of the season for Liverpool with, with, the, with the Premier League title basically at stake. Liverpool haven't been in a position too many times where they can bring him on just to get him minutes because, as we've already discussed, they're fighting for, for the points virtually down to the last minute in, in every game. So um, I think if he moved possibly somewhere a little bit further down the Premier League and, and he was on loan and he was playing fairly regularly, I think that would be a good move for him and long-term good move for Liverpool as well. So both of those could be on the move in January. Well, before we, we move on and discuss Brewster, um, Cueven Keller, if, if you are listening... And um, you want a quick guide to, to Preston. Uh, Monday night, Roper Hall and Squires is uh, your best bet. I think they're still um, going. Yeah, Lava Ignite on a Wednesday. Lava on a Wednesday. Just, nah, they're all closed. Degrees oh, they're not closed. They've all changed the names. Oh, well, that, that they a mixed, mixed curry pot. I hope that's still going. <laughs> mixed curry not sure pot. about that one. Yeah, that, that was a good one. That, you must have both gone to Mixed Curry Pot. I don't think I went to Mixed Curry I Pot. I used, to, I no. used to go to Lava, though, on a Wednesday. Yeah, Lava. Lava night on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, New York, New York and New Squires York, on the Monday. Yeah, and... Um, the loft, warehouse on Tuesday. The, where, the warehouse, that's it, sorry. The, the warehouse, that, that was a good one as well. Showing our age here, putting out yeah. all these archaic Preston <laughs> uni spots. If anyone if anyone from Preston's listening, get in touch. Love Preston. Great place. Used to live right by Moor Park. Um, yeah, just great memories. But anyway, you didn't tune into this podcast to listen to our Preston memories. Should we do a special Preston podcast? Yeah, we could do, yeah. yeah. Um, Ryan Brewster, Theo, it, it, I've got to be honest, I, I, I totally understand why Liverpool would want him to go out on loan and get some minutes. But I think it's a massive, massive risk to let a 19-year-old striker who, let's face it, Liverpool were, were bigging up in the summer um, saying that it's OK, we don't need extra options. We've got Brewster in reserve. We believe in him. And all right, he hasn't seen much football this season, but, you know, one serious injury to that front three, suddenly Divock Origi starting every week and Brewster would be your option coming off the bench. It, it does feel... A very, very risky strategy. Is he the option coming off the bench though? Sheridan Shakiri's back now. He's probably the option off the bench. It's one of those where Brewster, he's coming back from a serious injury and I think people do forget that because Alex Oxlade-Jablin, he's come back from a similar injury. He's taken his time to get going and now when he gets the opportunities, he's scoring goals. Whereas Brewster's not only got that to deal with, he's the fact that he's not played senior football before. And he, he looked good in pre-season. He, he tired a bit. I think Jurgen Klopp said that. I think the fact that he's been kept with the squad for the first half of the season, it was very much to have him as part of that environment. It was a reward for the yeah. hard work coming back from the injury. Yeah. 
but he's sort of playing catch up, isn't he? Like you look at the players in his age group who have impressed. You're looking at your Phil Foden's, your Hudson Odoi's, mm-hmm. Jaden Sancho. Sancho went to Dortmund, didn't need a loan deal, but that's because he'd get the game time there. Hudson Odoi, we've all seen the um, little contracts back before he finally got his opportunity just so they could keep him. And Phil Foden's still not really getting the football that he probably deserves, but they don't want to let him go. So I think it's definitely the right decision to let him go out on loan. You can say it's risky because of Liverpool's options, but it's not as though, say, Firmino gets an injury, they're going to go, right, Origi's there, Brewster is now the option off the bench, mm-hmm. because they'll usually, they vary things up, don't they? Yeah. So if Firmino's out, Salah will go up front, or yeah, Mane will go up front. The front three are so flexible that they are the options there. And you look at the clubs now that are being linked with Brewster, I don't really want to see him go to a Premier League club because there he's just an option, isn't he? He's not going to play. You look at the two uh, championship clubs that have been linked. It's Swansea and Leeds. Well, Leeds have got the lad on loan from Arsenal scoring goals. Well, that loan looks like it's doing business. Exactly him. Um, doing the business for him and Swansea it's Steve Cooper in charge well he was his manager for England was it 17s when they won the World Cup they seem like much better fits it's a much better place for him to learn his football get a few goals and then come back and impress next pre-season yeah I think if Liverpool are going to similar thing to Harry Wilson really if Liverpool have got high hopes for certain players of of eventually making the grade with them then I I don't really see too much of a point of, of loan and below the Premier League because Liverpool are in such a lofty position at the moment that the only way you're going to get comparable experiences is by playing in that Premier League. So although Harry Wilson had an excellent year at Derby, would he be any closer to Liverpool first team if he'd have been at a Premier League club last year? Uh, possibly. He's now at Bournemouth, isn't he? Which possibly could have been the move 12 months earlier. So I think if Liverpool are serious about letting Brewster go on loan, which they are, then I'd like to see him go to somewhere in the Premier League. I think Theo makes a good point. Do you think it's a, a case, Gorsley, of, of Liverpool almost protecting their investment in the sense that they don't want Brewster to be tempted to go down the Jaden Sancho path of moving elsewhere to try and get football? They want to show him that he his career is their priority and, and, and by sending him out on loan, they, they will do that. Yeah, possibly, because you look at um, before he'd signed that five-year deal in the summer of 2018, was it? There was talking about going to Bruce Munch and Gladbach. Yeah, do you remember, remember that? that yeah. um, to the point where Liverpool actually did they cancel the friendly? Cancel the friendly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, relations kind of soured there because Liverpool basically didn't want to see that happen. Fortunately, it didn't. But maybe that that is part of their thinking now. Um, if you think we're going to show you that you've got a five-year deal here, um, but for your for your immediate future, you can go and play somewhere else. We're going to be keeping an eye on you, checking up on you, and and. You know, whatever you do won't go unnoticed because we're going to be watching you every week and his future long term is at Liverpool, but maybe for the next six months it could be, let's say, Aston Villa, for instance, or Newcastle, somewhere where he's going to be playing a lot more than at Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, Theo, I have to say, just from the outside looking in, he looks like he's got a great attitude on him. His enthusiasm seems to be infectious. Every time you have a little look in, in our little picture search on Getty, you can see so many pictures of, of Brewster smiling, enjoying training. He seems like he loves life at Liverpool. And, you know, it, it must be a priority for them to keep him happy. Yeah, definitely. He seems like a very popular player, yeah. like whether he's hugging Trent, Alexander yeah. Arnold or Curtis Jones. He's always there in the thick of it, isn't it? And you always want to see your young players happy to be there. Um, and not be intimidated by that situation. He's obviously a confident young lad. Like To go and step up and take a penalty against Arsenal in the shootout, yeah. he's not going to be someone who's shy. 
Um, and the fact that usually when you have these young players, when they're putting in the first team, they're not the lead striker on their own, are they? They're like, oh, you're going to play out wide for a bit so you can learn your trade. You've got senior players to learn off. And Liverpool have sort of thrown him in the deep end here. And they've got to look after him. But the fact that he's so highly rated, that they're not going to make this noise out of nothing because that's when, if you have them so high on this pedestal because they think they're that good, that's when it usually comes unstuck. All right, let's finish off then, Gorsi. Um Do you think that if Brewster does get that loan move and Liverpool find the right club, um, there's any chance that they could look at that market in January and go, OK, let's try and do some business? Possibly. As as we've said, if, I mean, the, the front three are very flexible and versatile, aren't they? And so is Shaqiri and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. But in terms of actually out-and-out strikers, they've only really got Roberto Firmino now. And if Ocarigi, um, so if Brewster isn't there, they, they, then they're going to have to rely on maybe Sadio Mane playing there, which takes away his ability from the left, uh, vice versa for Sadio Mane. Oxley chamberlain is he a, a false nine? Not too sure. Shaqiri doesn't really play there. So I think they probably would have to, but I'm not too sure where and when they would find someone. Um I think we've, we've been here before, haven't we? Yeah, with Klopp and, and he's I don't, not I don't know what kind of profile they'd be looking yeah. at. Come on, Gorsley, just say Jaden Sancho, Team Over, <laughs> yeah, give Kili- the people what they Kili- want. And Bath. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think if, if they do let Bruce to go, which they, they're going to, they're going to be getting inquiries for him, no question. Um, they're probably going to be inundated. If they do find the right one for him, then they, I, I personally think that they'd have to look at bringing in someone. There you have it. There you have it. Liverpool are going to sign Jaden Sancho <laughs> in January, according to Paul Ghost. Any any problems with that? Give him a tweet at PT Ghost. Um, you heard it here first. I hope you enjoyed that. We will be back on Friday to discuss the Napoli game. Hopefully, Liverpool are safely through and top of the group, and to discuss Brighton, uh, another big game for the Reds before the Merseyside derby in a very very busy Christmas period. See you then. Ta-ra. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.